And let's go live, see who's coming in. Uh, exit this a little bit, try that again. My signal's really misbehaving today. Uh, live, checking connection. And we're now live. Good afternoon, everyone. Hopefully you're experiencing a wonderful Tuesday. This is episode 162, yes? 162 episodes back to back, unfailingly, over three years of the BCMO Tech Tuesday. How crazy is that? Hello, Boosted Citizens, good afternoon. Dakai Marl, good seeing you. Machado, NSX, greetings. Uri Parse, good afternoon as always. A4, VW, VR6, thank you so much for joining. Hunter Tischer, good seeing you. Schneedy, hello indeed. No, Richard, I am not doing any backflips. <laughs> I appreciate the vote of confidence. Schmidt says, your cars are absolutely amazing works of art. Thank you so much for the kind words. Hello, Mena. Good seeing you. That's in fever. Woohoo! Good seeing you as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining this 162nd episode of the Beast Motor Tech Tuesday. Hello, Rob Bank. Dave, 356. Good seeing you. Panama's in the house, courtesy of 20 Darrell. A68 RBB. Good afternoon. Meg Silva. Great seeing you again. Ogus, 3934. Hello. What's up, Peter Jan? Peter Jan. Yo, Projects. Good seeing you as well. Good seeing you this weekend. Nice ladies in the back, says Joe Alignment. Thank you so much. There is the BCMO Twin Turbo Cayman. There's the M16. There's some wheels for the K3V that I'm playing around with. This is great stuff, you know? Did a Turbo Boost Backdrop. Amen. Boost Brigade over here. Hello, San Diego Rollins. Thank you for joining us. The Parkard Don. Good seeing you. So much Germans, yes, but you see the very top right there. Forgive me on YouTube, for those of you on YouTube. See the very top there? That's the van. So there's a Honda Odyssey back there with a little camper on top of it. Huh? Um, do a Porsche raffle. I may do that. I've been getting a lot of requests for that. So maybe I will explore that. What's up, Alex? King of Porsche says, Gian, thank you for the kind words. Hello, DJ Ramarov. Oh, I didn't get to see you last time you were here. Um, Mena Kike says, start some up. I will definitely do that. Just start my day. Bachelor's examination. Wow, very nice. Chicago, in the courtesy of stupid whore. <laughs> Ready for another vid. Sounds good. Diling, all the way from Belgium. Good seeing you, sir. Um, hello, Constantinople Bay. Thank you so much. I like Caymans. And this Cayman back here is what got me into the whole Porsche mid engine stuff. You know, old school. Porsches are great and the 911s are fantastic, but they're really heavy. So when you push them, they tend to oversteer quite a bit. So believe it or not, I had this opportunity where I had exposure, courtesy of Amer Porsche um, cars of North America, to experience the Cayman R. Fell in love, but it definitely did not have the power of the 911. So the best way for me to do that is to take the handling capability of the Cayman, Combine that with the power of 911 and voila, that's what existed. So it changed my life entirely, which is great, you know? Um, so, um, it's, it's, um, it's on my desk, actually. Sorry about that, guys. Um, thank you so much, Mick Silver. Appreciate that indeed. Thank you, Zeeperson. Ah, what happened? What H transmission do you recommend for F22A with little or no mods? Just want a bit more. Um, the H22 standard SI will be just fine. It has better gearing than that of the standard Accord or even the H23 as well, so that would be ideal, you know? 
Yes, you do. They just arrived, and Teddy needed keys to the Porsche because I drove that to work today, so I thought it was in the office. Um, hello, Ad username 86. Hello, Fox Design. Thank you so much for sending what you sent earlier today. I really appreciate that. But without further ado, I promised some information today, right? And that information came courtesy of that particular Cayman right there. So, as you can see right there, forgive me on YouTube, I'm pointing to, well, I'm almost pointing in the same direction, almost, almost. That Cayman has this air-to-air -air intercooler in the back. Now, it's back there because it's convenient. It's convenient because it's easy. It's easy because it's pretty simple to take the turbos, connect them to the intercooler, and have it go to the intake. Now, for those of you who are not very familiar with the concept of intercooling, forgive me of those of you who are, but here's what happens with turbocharging. Of course, the way to make a lot of power in an engine is to get as much air as possible with appropriate amount of fuel and cram in as much air as possible, and that creates a lot more heat, which makes more power. So remember, engines are nothing but com uh, uh, just glorified energy converters. It takes chemical energy from oxygen and fuel, oxygen and air, converts it to heat energy via combustion, converts that into mechanical energy by doing work on the piston and transfer to crankshaft for up and down movement to turn to rotational and all that fun stuff. So. We want to make more power, create more heat that's, 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 that's controllable to make more reliable power. We need to turbocharge. Now, guess what happens? There is a law known as Charles' Law. When you compress a gas, the compression, the pressure that you induce into that gas is directly proportional to the heat it generates. What does that mean? The more you compress, the more boost you create, the more you pressurize in a gas, in this case air, the higher the temperature gets. Now, you know what the bad thing is about that? If you put that temperature into the engine, you have pre-ignition, where the ignition can happen without a spark plug, you can hurt your motor, you can detonate, you can blow up your stuff. So what could we do to have a more reliable setup? Well, we have the opportunity to intercool, and that's what we have there. So you have passing air, rushing air, exchanging the heat of that compression of the turbo with the outside ambient air, and then you go in your intake and you have a cooler charge and you're good. And my rule of thumb is 20 degrees Fahrenheit. And what that means, if I'm above 20 degrees Fahrenheit of, of ambient outside air, it's time to get a bigger intercooler, a more efficient intercooler. And with that right there, the fact that I'm, I do have some cooler air going through it, but also some engine heat going through it, it doesn't do a very, very good job of intercooling. It looks cool, because you have this, this crazy grate or mesh back there that looks awesome, right? But it's not the best. So what could I do as an improvement to make that intercooling system more efficient to create more reliable power? This. It says 600 on it. Maybe that's a capability that Turbonetics told me. But anyway, this right here is a spherical intercooler, courtesy of Turbonetics, and it's a liquid to air. So as you see, it has no fins like what you see on there, but the fins are actually inside this right here. And hot air goes in here from the turbochargers, cooler air goes out there via, or to the throttle body, and you see these two ports here? You actually, instead of having air as a medium, you have liquid going in here and coming out. So you have a heat exchanger in the front, like a small radiator. I use the CSF um, GT3 front intercooler or front radiator to do that. And now what I can do now with that Cayman is I can have a small, very small GT3 radiator in the front, which does heat exchange with atmosphere and cooling system, which water is a very, very good heat exchanging mechanism. So with this, now I can have much cooler air temps, much more power on my liquid to air, like what I have right there on this M16 my air temps remain at ambient. So it's absolutely spectacular. Now, yes, it's great, right? Cooler intake charge, more power, more reliability. So what is the detriment? 
its complexity. So air to air is just you just mount the intercooler somewhere in the car in a nice path of air. You have pipe coming in and pipe going out, you're done. While with liquid to air, you need another heat exchanger in the front. You need cooling lines. You need a coolant. Most times you need a reservoir. Then you need a pump to pump the fluid. So it could be a little bit more involved, but it's definitely worth it. So in a case like this with mid or rear engine setups, it is very advantageous to use liquid air. And even sometimes with a front engine setup, if you have limitations with space or you just want the ultimate in cooling, liquid air is the way to go. Or if you're racing and you want something, dare I say, below ambient, if you want temperatures that are below what you see outside, you can have a container that feeds the liquid air setup and you can put ice in it and go even faster. How crazy is that? Oh my God, so Sonic FK saying he needs in his car. Yeah, you will benefit. It, it's, like I said, it's much more complex. It's easy just to have your Type R with it in the front, right? And have a heat, you know, simple heat exchanger. But if you're to go liquid air, it can add complexity, but my goodness, that will bring your temps down very nicely. And a lot of OEMs love it too, because it allows for reliability on that fun stuff, which is great, you know? Are there any liquid air intercoolers for Civics? Um, I don't know if those exist. I've seen um, there's a company, it's a Mercer Racing. He makes something for supercharge applications that fit in Civics. But most of the time, just like what I'm doing here, I have to do something bespoke, something custom. Hmm? Brother BC says, Doug Cummins uh, Racing Team 818. Good seeing you, sir. Merry Christmas to you as well, Meg Silva, to you and your family as well. Um, BMW does it now, quite a few. So BMW does it, and they've done it quite, quite a while. Mercedes does it. Ford is, does it, has, has done it, was commercially available vehicles. Quite a few cars have done it, you know? Ash Campbell says, liquid to airs are the best. They're very efficient. They really do great things, you know? Do you know where to buy an uh, RW body kit? So Roddy's SNG, um, Nakai doesn't sell those outright. It's something where you have to book with Nakai, and he is quite a few months out. Especially now with the pandemic, you can travel quite a bit. He actually comes, and, and, and when you buy into the RW kit, you buy into the experience. So Nakai will fly out or travel to you. You have to put him up. And I think about 20, 25,000, you can order this kit from him. You have to paint your car and paint the body panel, so he ship it to you. And then he comes and he does his artistry. He, he cuts the fenders, mounts it, modifies it, and does his own thing, which is great, you know? BC, what do you think should be a good starter car? Well, stupid, that seems to be a very common question almost every Tech Tuesday. And I broke it down to do, into three different types. I broke it down to the, the very basic, um, easy, very nice, very common platform to have fun with that doesn't make a ton of power. Then the one that is absolutely fantastic in terms of if you have a little bit more budget. And then the ultimate of all ultimates, right? So let's talk about the first cool enthusiast call. Mazda Miata. NA, NB, NC, ND. But Mazda Miatas are cars that are very cost effective. It is the most fun I've had with less than 200 horsepower. Amazing cars, a lot of fun to fling around, canyon carving, road racing. It's just really, it's not the fast thing out there, but it's a great platform that's cost effective to get your enthusiast feet wet. Then, if you want to take that a little bit step further, I kind of have a, a division between two cars. It's the S2000 from, you know, from Honda, or the Cayman right here behind me. Both cars offer exhilarating driving experience. The S2000 has the best shifter I've ever experienced in any car period. It's just absolutely Amazing, amazingly balanced car. And that balanced life is also what shifts me over to the Cayman. Because the Cayman is a mid-engine, it's a nice semi-entry level, especially if you get the S into the Porsche world. 
very reliable boxer, flat six engine, boxer engine, amazing. And I'm telling you, it's so forgiving, extremely balanced as one, well agile. But if you want an ultimate, ultimate entry into a track car that's barely street legal, but amazingly amazing, the Porsche GT3 RS. That car is ridiculous, you know? Is there any car you don't want to turbocharge? Yes, dear Works 83. My K3V right here next to me, which the wheels are right there. So I've explored the world of electrification through some great influencers, everyone from Michael Beam to um, Mitch Peterson to John Concialdi to um, uh, Junie Mai. I've had all these great, to Rod Chung, I've had all these great influencers that have put me in a position where I have now explored and love electrification. So yes, I have quite a few cars that I can electrify very nicely, you know, which is nice, you know. Falcon's like, where's the wagon? That come, so the guys, Falcon lover Zach, he comes here weekly. He knows where the wagon is, it's, it's back there. He knows where it is. Um, they're selling Mazda Miatas across the street from me and it's beautiful and mint, low miles, but just doesn't have the budget for it and really want to do is race. Well, stupid, that is a great entry level. So in my beast motor fashion, what I would do and I do, is save up. Develop a relationship with your neighbor, be very nice to them, share your interest in the car, and then save up your pennies. And it's best to get something you like than just get something substandard because you don't want to save up. So it's better to save up and do it. That's what I would do, and that's what I typically do as well. About to buy a 98 A4 Quadra 1.8. What's your advice? I would like to rally it. Those are pretty cool, fun cars, very prestigious. The one thing about the earlier model Quattros and the A4s are that reliability. So I tend to hear a lot of challenges in terms of reliability that are not the best. So for me, I want cars extremely reliable. If it's something that has a very good history in terms of maintenance and something that's very good, yes. Otherwise, be wary. You may end up getting into a money pit. And above and beyond that, the newer Audi is extremely reliable, but the older ones are quite interesting. Booster Citizens asking, is it worth turbocharging a base model 987.2? Is it reliable? Also, we have a kit for this model in the future. So yes, it can be. Porsche is so kind to us. They leave a lot of opportunity on the table, especially with the older models. And that being said, the 987.2 can be turbocharged. Now, the challenge with the 987.2 is that it's direct injected. So being direct injected, I don't have a tuning solution for it at least a good one to be able to convert to turbocharging. And what do you mean by that, BC? Because there are other companies out there that actually make kits and they tune them. Well, here is the thing about BC Moto. I am big on reliability. I'm big on fail-safes. So what does that mean? When these companies tend to boost to 987.2, they don't have boost cuts in them. Big no-no. They don't have opportunities for fail-safes in case you have a boost runaway or boost control opportunities. Um, it doesn't have a great way of knowing what knock values to change, especially when a boosted engine that makes a little bit more noise, so it gets more knock sensitive. Those few things alone kind of shy me away from that. And that's why when I like to boost, I'm a big advocate of the 987.1, which is right back there, because I can put a full standalone, and you can have full boost control. You can, you can convert it from math to speed density, meaning you can go from math mass airflow sensor to a map sensor like you would with some of the older cars and some of the high-performance vehicles as well and be able to do a lot in terms of fail-safes. So can I create a kit? Yes. As a matter of fact, the kit I'll make for the 987.1, 
would be very, very easy to modify for 987.2. The challenge is I will not have a tuning solution for you. You may have to find one that you're comfortable with. Any advice for beginner racing enthusiasts? Absolutely. I have very good advice, 150 Casper. Begin with the end in mind. And what do I mean by beginning with the end in mind? Please, I see this happening more now than always, than ever. Don't cheapen out on parts. Get good parts. Don't cheapen out. I see the big mistake that a lot of enthusiasts do is they get into the, in the performance scene and they want to get the cheapest car, cheapest parts possible to get their feet with it. What ends up happening is a lot of them end up getting disgruntled because they end up having parts that fail or cars that don't perform the way they should. So it's always good to buy the best parts, invest in the best parts, even if it means you save up. And have the patience to save up and get the right parts. Go to a good reputable shop to tune. Don't go to some street tuner or a backyard thing, you know, someone who's in their mom's basement trying to send base maps out. Do what's right, save up and do it. And then I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you will enjoy your driving and racing experience because you got the good parts. Good parts are there for a reason. Not just because people want to take advantage of you, not at all. Good parts exist because the companies out there who have the mantra that they want to put out the best because they want the best stuff, you know? So that'd be pretty cool. I have an IFI Bronco that I lifted. Rosen 35, that's a big tire. The one way to improve the acceleration of running such a large tire is to increase your numerical value for your final drive. So the final drive in your rear end, I don't know if you just have an all-wheel drive or is it only rear-wheel drive, that allows for torque multiplication. And what happens is when you go with a much taller tire, that effective multiplication is reduced. Change your final ratio to a numerically higher number, and you will enjoy your car immensely. Audis are bay. I, I, I hear you. Especially, I'm telling you, the newer ones are amazing. Everything from the e-tron to, I mean, even there's a, well, there's an R8 here, but it needs help. It wasn't the customer's fault. It wasn't even Audi's fault. But anyway, some tuners did something weird to it. But newer Audis are much more reliable. The old ones leave a lot to be desired. They've come a long way, you know? BC, what about Toyota platform? Anamora, what about it? Um, I like Toyota's quite a bit. Um, I'm a big fan of the 2JZ engine. I even like what, poor, uh, what uh, they're doing nowadays with the Bavarians and doing combination with the, the newer Gen 5. So that being said, the Mark 5s, yeah, I, I like Toyota's quite a bit, but I, I think you had a more specific question. So please do share again. Is a Honda Odyssey a good shop vehicle? For parts, absolutely. For promotion, you may want to get something a little more hot. Now, we built the van as a, as a proof of concept for American Honda. It did very well. One of our most popular cars. But to today, I never received an order for someone to have us replicate a 1,000-horsepower minivan. So the minivans are not really seen as high-performance platforms. They're really cool cruisers. They're great for shop cars if you want to carry parts. They're great for the family. And that one is really a lot of fun to drive. But if you want to start a shop and you want something that can really push forward and attract a lot of enthusiasts, it would be better to focus on a more enthusiast platform. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, Boosted Citizens. Appreciate that indeed. Hey, BC, can you make any engine bulletproof with the right amount of parts, money of parts? So, Tom, that is Tom a River Wrapped. That is a very challenging question. Because there's one component of your question that's missing. And that is the base platform itself. So you can have a power plant. Let's just say something that is near and dear to me. Let's say the D series, D16, okay? 
Single cam engine, single overhead cam, let's say the D16Z6. Very nice power plant, lots of decent technology, a pretty good workhorse, but it was designed to create 120 horsepower. Can you make that engine put out 1,500 if you just throw a bunch of money at it? Yes, but not in its current configuration. Because what happens is that once you push the envelope past 800, you start risking the block itself from fracturing right at the end of the bolt holes for the head studs. And there's nothing you can do to rectify that. You can put a cage around it to kind of, you know, help put that at bay for a while, but it will end up fracturing. So what could you do? How much money could you put in to make that bulletproof? I don't know. You may have to get rid of that block and build a billet one. So, but if you're trying to stay with the, the, the native platform, yes, there are limitations based upon the architecture of the engine itself. Now, could you make a particular architecture-ish architecture? Go, just go bananas, yes. So that means you're not no longer using a D-series block, you're using a billet block, you're using a billet crank, you're using a billet head, but it looks like it. Maybe the valve cover still fit. Maybe you still have to do a custom valve cover. So if that's the case, if you want to use parts from everywhere else, yes, resources can make you get there. But if you want to stay with an engine itself, the casing, yes, there are limitations based upon architecture and engineering. Don't forget about the best lubricants. Absolutely, I, I love Puro. Absolutely, that helps tremendously. Hello, AJ, who helped me learn so much. Beginning HPD racers should start with a stock car and more slowly, take as many private lessons as you can afford. And that's a good advice indeed. That's good advice. And what I've seen quite a bit, AJ, is people coming here and they want to get into racing, whether it's road racing or drag racing. And once they get the car and they have some, a little bit of fun, they start modifying it very quickly and buying rubbish parts. And I don't, I don't agree with that. So I completely agree with AJ and still stand firm to using quality parts in your build to, so you can enjoy it as you continue to modify, you know? And as Ash, Ashen Campbell says, at the end of the day, the cheap way is more expensive. And you're absolutely correct. Absolutely indeed, you know? Come on, everyone needs to eat tunes, says Kevin. Kevin's being funny. Ha 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 ha. Any good tuning shop the color you can recommend? I'm not familiar with that area, Josh. I've I've been to Colorado once. And when I went there, I was filming a show and never had the opportunity to look around shops. So unfortunately, I don't have that information, you know? Do you still drive your Honda wagon? I haven't in a while. Flacco, um, people here can attest to it. Even this morning, me sitting down here with you guys right now is almost my vacation. I mean it. It's like I came in a little bit after 7 o'clock this morning, and I have been nonstop running all over the shop. When I, I remember one of, the, one of our clients came in, and he said, oh, BC, are you having cardio? I'm like, no, I, this is me every day. I constantly run around here. So because of that, Unfortunately, I don't get the chance to even enjoy my cars. Um, Zach and his dad were able to even put a turbo on it last week. I had a turbo inspected. It was good. We put it back on. And they did. I didn't have a chance to even do it because I'm constantly working on my clients' cars. I don't get a chance to even enjoy. And even when I do drive a car, it's me getting data on the EV cars. I just haven't had opportunity. So unfortunately, no. I haven't driven in quite a while. Maybe in and out of the shop just to move cars around, but not, not for a while, you know? What do you think of a B20 VTEC for a classic Mini? I think that's really a lot of fun. I've seen B-series and classic minis. I've seen Ds a lot more because it's much more compact. But yeah, those make for very fun, very reliable setups, you know? How do you feel about a turbo on a 1.5 direct-injected Skyactiv G motor? I haven't had the opportunity, Mazda IA, 
to play with those intimately. I love the SkyTiff platform. I love their efficiency designs, but I haven't had opportunity to modify one yet. We'll continue to develop our relationship with Mazda, and as soon as that happens, I promise I will let you know. Do you still drive? Oh, you asked me that again. Flock has asked me the same question multiple times. Okay, let's see here. Are you hiring? We will be coming in the new year, but right now, as we're going to holidays, we're about to shut down in a couple of days. I'll be around, bury myself in here, completely closed down, but I'll be here myself. But coming to new year, yes, we will need some help, by all means, you know? You have to go back to Colorado and embrace Pikes Peak, says you read for you. Yes, that would be, be really a lot of fun. If I can just get away. I love your build, says Isaiah Peters. So I wish someday I could meet you. Yes, I would look forward to that as well, too. I'm a witness of that craziness at your shops, Eric Nochi. Yes, he's seen me um, constantly run around, even when Eric visits me. And he's one of my very good friends and, and, and the VP for Action Clutch, a clutch I use. That's why I have in these, all my cars here. And um, he even, to get him to even talk to me, he, he's like, either he's walking with me or I have to stop and then keep going. It's, it's, I'm constantly working. And I, don't feel bad for me, guys. I really enjoy it. My day goes by like that. <laughs> My days go by so quickly, but I'm constantly creating, constantly working, constantly improving, constantly designing. I'm always constantly doing something, and it's great. It's great. I love it, you know? Do you still tune Hondas? I need some BC Gap Sauce tune. I do K20 CV2. Um, kind of booked up, so if you want to get in, you have to call Lindsay up front as soon as possible. The number here is 888-922-6686. And she can get you in. But I think the next opening is in February. So the sooner you get in, the better, you know. Thank you for taking your time, says Tom. My pleasure indeed. Plug and play ECU and harness and mount for a K20 engine into a 9600. Very possible. You have that for both the AM Infinity. And you have, I think, oh, Series 2 stops at 95. So Infinity can do that. For sure. For sure. Hello, Chris Bohr, Ferrari from South Bay. Chris Bohr is a good friend, a hardcore enthusiast. I knew him when he was a South Bay Mercedes. Now he's with South Bay Ferrari. Great guy. Chris, good seeing you and happy holidays indeed. You know? Hello, Brazil. Courtesy of Johnny. Good seeing you indeed. BC, hoping this is a good question, but how many cars can you work on in one day? Quite a few, but the most I've worked on in one particular day in terms of just going back and forth, I would say, and, and got them completed, I would say all four, four of those. So that being said, yes, I was able to uh, do that in one day. But look with your knowledge on EV. The Porsche fam is mega. Thank you so much. And, you know, I am James Menion. It, it, it's very tough because I would say a year and a half ago, oh, maybe more than a year and a half ago. Oh, yeah, almost two years ago, I knew nothing about EVs. As a matter of fact, I didn't want anything to do with them. And then I had the opportunity to play with that and then, Ever since then, I'm, I'm hooked. The, the, the torque, as an enthusiast, the torque is amazing. I have an aperture that's open from the motors into my compartment, so you have this nice wine. It's absolutely spectacular. It's great. It'd be absolutely fantastic, you know? If you need a pit crew, Mike and me are in. Pikes Peak, thank you so much. I appreciate that indeed. I appreciate that indeed, you know? Merry Christmas to you as well, Jay. Good seeing you, sir. Thank you, Isaiah. I appreciate the kind words indeed. Appreciate that indeed. Thank you so much. If you have time, I'd like to discuss a building deal. <laughs> if I have time, that's great. Um, sure. I, I'm, I'm down. It's, it's just tough. 
because I get hundreds of DMs a day, which is great. And I try to get to them as often as I can, um, usually at night. Some people get mad at me because they write to me and they click the answer immediately. But guys, I'm constantly working from morning to afternoon. And then the evening before I retire, I start going through my messages and some of my DMs or do my lunch break, which many times I'm standing up eating. I'll try and go through them and answer them. So yeah, um, feel free. I I'm here to help. Um, but um, Campbell, it may be good for you to ask here because maybe everyone can enjoy and, and benefit. Me work coming every Tuesday, interacting with all of you is like my vacation per se. I mean it. Three years straight I've been doing this. This is episode 162, back to back, unfailingly, whether it fell on a Christmas holiday, on my daughter's birthday, or the birth of my son, or my anniversary, whatever the case may be, I am here. Whether I'm filming in New York for a show with Netflix, or I'm down in, 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 in Mexico, wherever I am, I stop what I'm doing, I come in and greet all your family. And the purpose of this is for me to give back, for me to be that person that I needed when I was much younger. So that being said, I'm here to help. Ashin, the reason I'm telling you this is, if there's a question you have, maybe this is the perfect place to ask, so in turn, everyone can benefit from it, because I'm here, you know? What do you think about muscle? I love American muscle cars. As a matter of fact, um, had the opportunity to buy one of the pure American supercars, which is the fifth gen Dodge Viper. Was exposed to me by Rob Gilles, head of global design for FCA. Had the opportunity to really love that car and end up buying my own. And so I love and respect American Muscle. That's a huge market. And that market is so diverse because there are guys who are really, really frugal and the guys who really put a ton of resources in it. So it's, it's a very potent market. And the big three have done wonderful things all across the globe, which is great, you know? Can't wait for the version two of the K3V. Thank you, Ashin. Thank you so much indeed. It is coming. Happy holidays to you as well. Supercar Kellen, good friend of mine who introduced me to Supercars by the Sea. I have quite a few events. Last time I saw him was, I think a couple weeks ago when we did a toy drive to help those kids in need. What are you doing to K3V? I see wheels behind you. Ah. I'll tell you guys, and I'll post it soon. I actually put some drag readers on this thing. <laughs> I actually have drag radios on it right now. Um, I don't know if it'd be easy for, for me to come out and show it to you guys. Um, let me try. Okay, forgive me on YouTube. Forgive me here on the podcasting. I'm going to put you guys down here, and I'm going to take you guys with me. Um, come with me. Let's do this, and I'll show you guys what I need. Look at that. So these are some Proxies TQ. These are some drag radios from Toyo. And look at how wide these things are. Look at that. 345s. And they are sticky. The treadwear is zero, zero. So just to show you, the treadwear on, the, on these that I have here is actually, I think, uh, 40. But the treadwear on the on these, or it's crazy, it's zero. Zero treadway. So that's, that's why I have one. Bricks and forges as well. Uh, let me turn this around. Oops. Here we go. And I'm back. <laughs> okay, put this back here. So my podcast friends can hear me. And that's it. Dealing. I love cars. Do you drift, says Johnny? No, um, I appreciate drifting, I really do. I, I find uh, drifting quite 
exhilarating and a challenge indeed, but I don't drift. I like motorsports that are more subjective. No, not subjective, but are, 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 are timed, per se. But yeah, I don't drift. Mr. Stream with Sun Kang, potential busy Fast Furious. You never know. So I've had cars in Fast and Furious franchises. Um, I submitted cars even for the talent to drive, but what's weird is, Sun is different, but a lot of the talent, they can't drive stick. Even though they're doing movies from racing, a lot of them can't drive manual gearboxes. So that kind of put my, a lot of my cars out. I guess the perfect cars I have nowadays, like the K3V, the ones I'm building, are perfect movie cars because they look the part, they're really fast, they're easy to drive, and you can embed sound if you wanted to, so it's pretty cool. How to beef a Porsche in the 904? A Ford Ren? <laughs> I would definitely do that, you know? Oh my goodness, that's crazy. I know, DJ Ramro, I know. It's crazy. You think about that. There are two things about the auto film industry that kind of shocks me. One is the people who put together most movies that are car culture influencers don't know about cars. And secondly, the talents that we all look up to, like, oh my God, amazing drivers. Can't even drive manual. Crazy, right? Pretty bananas. Salud, Daniel. Good seeing you indeed. Wishing you and your family the best as well as their Peters. Thank you so much. Have a great year as well, and God bless as well. So that being said, guys, I have to get back to work. Um, you guys saw behind me, I had a Porsche right here that I'm looking at in front of me. I'm doing something very unique. I'm trying to do something clever with the audio level gauge in that car. I'm doing some really clever things in terms of frequency and resistance. So I'm going to try my best to create some kind of circuitry today. And I'm doing this from scratch. So that being said, have a great day. As Josh Wonder said, thank you so much, guys. I know, Adriel, I'll be back next time. I appreciate that indeed. Stay safe, guys. And, oh, Merry Christmas, because the next time I'll see you will be after this coming Christmas. Take care, guys. Cheers. Bye-bye.